welcome. Thank you for coming on, talking to me for about an hour or so today. How are you doing? I am good. And it uh, looks like we have Annie Anderson here today. That is me. And this is the ericswanracing.com podcast. We are over 100 already. I think it's uh, maybe 102. Nice. So uh, in the triple digits, it's nice to be there already uh, a couple years in. And uh, I think you reached out to me. You've been, uh, I think, a marshal working at the racetrack for a while now. Yep. Yeah. You posted something in like uh, Austin Marshall volunteer group, something. I don't know. So I was like, ooh, that sounds fun. So yeah. here I am. For sure. Well, thanks for reaching out to me. And I'm always looking for new guests. If anybody's trying to come on here and talk about motorsports or whatever they have on their mind, it's fine. Um, you know, this is not quite an interview, but a podcast. So you can ask me questions. We can just have a conversation back and forth. And nice. so what's on your mind today? What do you want to talk about? So I'm just kind of like looking at all your background there. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, so uh, <laughs> I have a background in motorcycle road racing. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've raced for many years. And uh, I've also became a flag marshal, intervention marshal for MotoGP, uh, Formula One, Wera, CCS, Azra, Arma, um, what yep. else? IndyCar, and so on. And so yeah. uh, I'm also, I just became a uh, certified motorcycle motorcycle riding coach um, oh, fun. people train to get their cycle endorsement for uh, learning the fundamentals of using the clutch and the brake and uh, throttle and everything properly um, and I'm trying to get into being a motorsport coach for on-track activities for racing and track days too um, so I'm trying to go down that avenue lately and I might be on track this weekend I'm trying to rent my friend's bike and uh, mm -hmm. and ride it on the racetrack this weekend so we'll see what happens Nice. That. Yeah. I, I, I was a motorcycle fangirl, like MotoGP and, uh, decided I wanted to flag a MotoGP race. And then, you know, once you show up once they, they got you. So, <laughs> so you're hooked now you're, uh, you're yeah. doing all the events in the, in the States. Do you travel internationally? Which events do you normally hit? Um, I have done, well, circuit of the Americas is my home track. So, you know, there's always something going on there. And um, so then I, you know, when MotoGP was there this year, Moto America. So I started following Moto America a little bit and just got back from the ridge up in Washington, the, uh, Moto America this weekend. So that was a good weekend. I, I'm less than 12 hours off a plane right now. So. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. But uh, yeah, it was a very long travel day back. So, you know, with, you know, all the things happening, bumps, flights. And so you just got to like show up and be flexible like you do when you're a marshal. So yep, it's rain, shine, wind. Wind. Yeah. rain, wind, shine, snow, fleet, whatever. It, it, it's going to happen and the race is going to go on. And so. Oh, yeah. Or uh, Daytona this year, there were tornadoes and we had to take shelter and, uh, you know, sometimes there's high winds or hail or, you know, whatever the yeah. condition is, you're out there. Yeah. Have you done MotoGP at, at the circuit? Yeah, I did the MotoGP at, I was at turn 11, waving the flags, coming on to the back straightaway at Coda. Oh. And that uh, is, that was that a fun a place point. to be. I was, the, I guess, the head flagger at that corner. Um, nice. And uh, people were crashing, you know, coming into the corner on the front. People were crashing coming out of the corner. Like Sean Dylan mm -hmm. Kelly, he had uh, SDK Airlines. He was uh, had a big <laughs> just flying in the air. Um, oh man, not pretty hard, but 
Um, yeah. yeah both ends of it. Yeah. That's like one of the most important corners in the whole racetrack. Yeah. Where were you in October? Did you did you do October as well? well or just I didn't April? do October. I just did the um, the one this year in April. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, turn eleven in October. Moto three had a big dust up, and I was like, ah! but uh, yeah. So um, I was like, oh, maybe it was October. But um, yeah, turn eleven is a great corner. Um, yeah. I do. I did turn 12 for Formula One. I was the yellow flag at, at turn 12 and okay. not a lot of action in Formula One, but the Formula E and the Formula W or not in Formula E. That's a different thing. Uh, Formula, the, the kids and um, Formula W, there was some action on turn 12. So, yeah, um, it's really cool. So you do it with multiple organizations, then not just motorcycles. Yeah, I prefer motorcycles, but you know, motorcycle racing's not as popular. So there's always a car race somewhere, yeah. and uh, so you know, time on track is very important. And so I go get my time on track, and um, you know, and and somewhere in between all of this, I started building carburetors for race cars. So now I'm at drag strips and dirt tracks and all. And I'm just everywhere. So um, I've got a lot of. I got a lot of credential badges in my uh, box, so. I bet. And so what's involved with uh, building a carburetor for a race car? Um, well, it's, you know, basic, you know, fuel and air and mixing it right and getting it there. But uh, yeah, I, um, you know, found myself unemployed earlier this year and, you know, one of my friends, you know, builds carburetors. He's like, it's race, you know, it's, it's like a week before racing season. And of course, everybody waits until a week before racing season. Like, oh, I need my carburetor next week. Yeah. Can oh, you yeah, by it? the way, small thing. You know what, the, the previous four months where it's been sitting in your car, you could have sent it, but you know, and then, then you got other problems because you've got fuel sitting in your carburetor for four months. But uh, so yeah, I started just taking them apart and then he's like, well, now you got to put them back together. So um, I don't know, like in February, I knew nothing. I, I knew a carburetor was in a car. That was all I knew. And, and it was just like, you know, one of the things you learn about marshalling is you show up and they'll teach you. So um, that's what I did. And so now I'm doing it. And I uh, um, built a double four barrel for a 41 Willys last week. So, and I was like, but uh, um, so yeah, I'm a super fan girl when it comes to anything loud and noisy and fast. So very good. Do you have a lot of women who are similar to you, or do you find yourself uh, the odd one out sometimes? Um, I am the odd one out a lot of times. Um, Moto America is um, really good. They they have a lot of women involved, and uh, Kayla was first woman who won a Moto America race this year. Or this Junior year. Cup. Yeah, and she she's just she's just amazing. So it was. And it was she's good uh, technically crossed the line first before, but it was stripped away from her from uh, yellow flag infringement, I think. Yeah. So, but yeah, and um, on Friday I did the uh, mini bikes. Okay. And that was fun to see. You know, I one tens, one sixties, one nineties. One nineties, yeah, and it's it was funny because you know they showed up for the riders meeting, and I'm like. You know, you you think like, oh, okay, well, you know, four to fourteen is the technical range, but usually they're like, you know, six, seven, eight. But when you see a little seven-year-old out there at a safety meeting, I'm like, 
shouldn't you be in school or like, <laughs> so, but yeah, they, you know, um, you know, it was, it was a, it was a very good experience and see them, but, uh, I was called away for other duties on the weekend. So I didn't get to watch them race, but, uh, it was, it was good to see them on Friday, getting their, you know, wheels under them and, you know, finding their zones and coming through some corners. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, I did the flagging for the minis at Pittsburgh last year for Moto America. And, uh, it was really cool to see, um, the little kids doing really well. I mean, there's a huge skill gap, even at that age between the faster kids and the ones who maybe are the back markers, but that's still okay. I mean, they're out there, they're learning, they're getting experience and they're having fun. I mean, that's what it's all about is having fun and learning. And yeah. uh, I thought it was great that they were respectful. They were not taking each other out. They weren't like banging bars too much. I didn't see anybody make an, like bad passes. I thought it was it was more respectful than a probably intermediate track day group. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And, and there's a couple of times, you know, I'm like a corner. I'm like, is this going to be an in? Nope. It's good. You know, <laughs> they're, you know, they're, they're going fast, but they're not going so fast that, you know, they can't recover. So it, it was good. To, it was good experience for me and I really enjoyed it. So I think maybe a top speed sent a straightaway, 40 50 at, at the at that um i'm not sure there's a lot of turns on that mini bike track at, at the ridge so um yeah it, it's very you know because it's a it's a cart course the the mini track was a cart course that, yeah that so some are tighter than others yeah so it was it was pretty it's pretty slow but i mean they were doing good and you know lots of practice on their turns so uh, anybody can be fast in a straight line. That's not really you. That's just shifting in your bike. I mean, it, it takes a lot more right. to be fast in the corners and braking. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it was, it was good to watch the, you know, the, the very precise technical, like, you know, going, you could see them going through their heads. Okay. You know, like knee out, lean, you know, so it was, it was good. Know, those different things. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it was, it was good. Cause I, I watched, uh, or, you know, my vantage point was, um, you know, through some pretty like a one eight, it was one eighty. So they, you know, they were like, you know, finding their line. And so, yeah, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a good experience for me. So. That's exciting. You know, uh, um, I was thinking, uh, a lot of people are cutting off their catalytic converters, um, trying to get more power out of it. Does that affect the carburation at all with the fuel and uh, air intake ratio? Um, I'm not sure where the catalytic converter comes in on that. I know. Um, so so basically what it, it started out with me is I took them apart, I put them together. Then then I started learning about the, the jettings and the... Um, and in drag races, they have the, the boosters and things like that. So the jet uh, extensions and... Yeah, so that's kind of thing. And mostly we do dirt track, dragsters, kind of things like that. So, and I'm not sure where the catalytic converter is. I'm like, that is not in my wheelhouse yet. So, uh, that would be like on the when, exhaust. Excuse me? That would be like on the exhaust. Yeah, okay. So, um, but yeah, when um, they were talking about the Talent Cup series for Moto America, basically the bikes are identical and the only thing you can change is the jetting. And I'm like, I know what that is. <laughs> so, um, yeah. 
Most of the uh, machines that I've driven or rode uh, have been fuel injected, so they don't really have the carburetors. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's where a lot of things are going. But, uh, you know, we have dragsters in our the warehouse where I work and the ones that have fuel injections, it's like, you know, they take a while to fix, you know, the carburetors are like, you know, it's holes and, you know, and so it's, I'm not saying it's easy, it's just different. Um, but I, I know a lot more about the carburetors than I do about the fuel injection. So I just know that they do the same thing differently, so. Yeah. And the carburetors aren't going away tomorrow. There's still a huge need for people to work on them and people to clean them. Yeah. People are asking, you know anybody who can clean my carbs? <laughs> And he can. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, like I said, I just absolutely love it. And uh, I'm learning so much. Like I knew none of this and my brain is completely full all the time with new carburetor stuff, but uh, um, I enjoy being around the industry full time. So. Very good. And so people uh, can hire you to do that. Are you like your own uh, worker, your own business? I work for a precision uh, racing components in Houston. So um, you can, you can find us there, prc.as.me and uh, we will hook you up. So you just send us your carb, we'll clean it. You can buy a new one, new two barrel, new four barrel. And then, you know, and that's the other thing that I'm learning is, you, you know, you have like different classes have different things, different cars. So um, when, um, I set up a system form so that, you know, you can fill all that information out. So I'm not remembering it. And then I, so I have to learn. So a USA, a USRA comes in and I have to go learn USRA rules. So I know what to do. And we've got all the scrutineering tools there. So it's like, um, so. Very good. That's a unique, unique trade that, you know, there's so many different components you could get into, whether it's, um, you know, leading brakes or like uh, engine components, building, you know, uh, rebuilding suspension. Um, there's so many different components of a motorcycle that you could be a specialist in. Right. It's just like a doctor. You know, there's there's uh, ear, nose, throat doctors. There's you know dermatologists. Um, you know, cancer yeah. oncologists. And so there's yeah. a just like for a motorcycle, you have all these different industries based on different parts. Yeah, and the the warehouse complex that I work in, there's probably six buildings with, you know, four or five bays each and pretty much there's a towing company and then everybody else is racing or um, storage for racing or so uh, there's always a race car, a dirt track car. Like there's always something in my parking lot that I'm ooing and aahing over. So. Yeah. And uh, I've heard, I saw in the news, like little Google articles that said people are running out of gas more often because the gas prices are so high. I'm like, that's, <laughs> That's kind of extreme. I mean, I actually saw a couple of people, saw two people uh, last week pushing their, uh, not pushing, but uh, carrying like a gas can, you know? Like, <laughs> oh no, so it does happen. And it maybe happens more often if you can't afford really, if you're only putting like five gallons uh, yeah. in, in your gas tank at a time, it's probably gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it's kind of funny because we do have a lot of requests to uh, re-blueprint for over-the-counter gas now because people are like eh, racing fuels kind of so um it was like hey you know that's a that's a phone call i hear a lot hey um so if i want to use real gas like you like know what do i need 10 percent ethanol in it 
<laughs> so, um, so yeah, times are tough, but uh, we're we're making it happen. So, and you know, the guy I work for is a genius. He like he can hear a carburetor ten miles away and be like, "What's going up?" And uh, you know, so I'm not there yet, but he's 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 pretty good at what he does. So. Yeah, and some of the fuels like that we use for racing, MR12, I think is like $15 a gallon. Um, yeah. I was just about to buy some 110 octane fuel. I think that's $8.99 a gallon near me. So, I mean, it's not too bad if you're only using five to 10 gallons a weekend. Um, yeah. It's 100 bucks. Um, just, uh, you're not putting it in your daily driver. You're not using it right. to get to the racetrack. You're just using it in your race bike. Yeah. So, yeah, but, you know, the dragsters, uh, they, they need a lot of fuel. So. <laughs> but even uh, for the short passes, they probably don't get very good uh, fuel mileage, I would imagine. I, I'm guessing not. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see what's going on. And, um, you know, a lot of the, uh, like Holly's backordered on a lot of parts now too, because, you know, everybody cut everything down and now they're trying to build back up, but it's so, um, you know, people call, how long is it going to take? I'm like, how long, what, like, what exactly do you need? I can, you know, if it's a, it's a blueprint rebuild in and out, you know, fine, you know, a week or so, but, uh, uh, refresh. Yeah. Week. Uh, if you're ordering parts or if you need parts, or if you, you know, put your carburetor in an envelope and send it like, it's going to get down like yeah i'm like pack it well because if it breaks there aren't parts so yeah even i hear tires are hard to come by for uh getting rubber to go to the racetrack so i mean usually mm -hmm. there's tire vendors at the track but you're risking it what if they don't have the compound you want when you get there you know you might not have no. they might not have your set or your compound that you're looking for yeah so i'm gonna plan ahead weeks in advance to wait till the last second and then make make the person who's doing the work have to rush everything because you didn't plan well. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's like, but that's how I got my job. So thank you for waiting until the week before to send your carburetor in. So, um, yeah, when I think the first day I got there, I think there were like 27 carburetors, you know, stacked up back to back. And, you know, now we're, we probably do, you know, I probably do two a day, now myself and then there's other people there but you know it's it's a thing so and so and you know people have told me like oh what are you gonna do when carburetors go away and i'm like i don't think you understand that carburetors aren't going anywhere you know and until the all the vintage cars get you know banged up uh we'll have carburetors because you're talking like 500 years yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know when uh you know, all of the zombie apocalypse now, carburetors can come in handy, so. Yeah, for sure. And uh, now things are starting to, to move into electric. You hear Kawasaki and I think BMW announcing, and I'm sure other manufacturers announcing that they're coming out with entire fleets of electric motorcycles in the next uh, handful of years. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah, so it's interesting to see where it goes. I, 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 and when it all goes electric, I, they're going to have to put a noise on there because I love the engine noises and the, like, so that's, that's different like problems because like I have this, uh, I bought a new Kawasaki 2021, the KLX 300 Supermoto. So it's a, it's a dirt bike basically with street tires on it, DOTs. And I've been using that for track days, Supermoto, dirt and pavement, and sometimes just pavement. Um, 
and people come up to me and say, man, your bike is so, so quiet. I can't even hear you coming. Like normally yeah. you can hear an exhaust noise, noise in your ear. Like, you know, there's a bike there, but you can't hear me coming. I'm stealthy. So that creates problems. Like, you don't know I'm going to pass you until I'm, until you see me. Yeah. Um, until you see me, see my handlebars. No, but um, yeah, I was talking to a guy this weekend and he had worked Pikes Peak uh, E um, whenever that was. And he said they had to have a horn on at all times so that marshals could hear him coming. So, uh, so just very interesting, you know, and I love talking to the old guys at the track. They know everything like, yeah. you know, so. You get those veterans who've been doing it for 25, 30 years that like, it's not their first rodeo. Yeah, so, but it's also nice to see the, the, the people show up. They've never showed up. They're just excited to be there. Like, you know, I don't know anything about anything and I am, here to do it. And, yeah. and that's how I got started. It was like, you know, I started, I, I, my first race that I ever signed up for was MotoGP 2020, which of course didn't happen. And, you know, I signed up for it like three, four months in advance and they were like, mm, yeah, uh, you need some experience. So I got in touch with Coda and, you know, they started me off in January, like, you know, Lone Star Regional kind of thing. And, and I just, I was in love at first sight, like, uh, you know, it was rainy, it was cold, it was, the wind was blowing sideways and, and I would rather be nowhere else. And, you know, so. It's a pretty cool, uh, office job. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, it's fun. And now it's like summer camp, like, you know, you know, you're going to go see your friends and camp and sit around the, the, you know, cooler drinking beers after a, 14, 16 hour day and everybody's tired, but nobody wants to go, go to sleep because this is just, you know, sitting around chit chatting about racing is what we like to do. So. Yeah. It's really cool. It's like a traveling circus with all your friends. You know, you got, might have people from other countries come and, and visit and work. And, uh, you know, there's a guy I met from Colombia and Austria and Azerbaijan in my corner that I, I was working with and all around the country. Um, and it's just so cool to, um, it's a community of people who have a, a massive similar passion of you uh, that you can talk about whatever. It doesn't always have to be about the race you just saw or the race you watched last weekend. It could be just about life, but these people mm -hmm. like understand you in a different way, it seems like. Yeah, well, I did uh, Formula One in Miami in May and um, the Brazilians made me an honorary Brazilian, so. Um, I got all of the like staff track uh, t-shirts from Brazil now, so I can just yeah. uh, show up in Brazil now. And uh, to attend as a spectator, like I was at the Miami one as well for Formula One, and to be at the general admission for three days would have been $900 on the regular marketplace for tickets, you know, for not nice. even sitting a chair or a seat. Yeah, so you just stand there. Yeah. Um, so where did you work in, in Miami? I was 9.5, which was uh, the back, kind of like the back kink straightaway right after the DRS zone. Um, mm -hmm. And so it wasn't a huge, uh, um, you know, impact area or uh, crash zone because it's a straightaway and they're just, uh, you know, getting on it going from like 100 miles an hour up to like maybe 160 or so. Um, and it's a street circuit, so you don't have that great mm -hmm. of visibility. So you may yeah. see the Formula One cars for like three or four seconds. You know, it's pretty yeah. quick going by you, but um, yeah, I was 7.1. So, okay. So you're a little earlier um, in the lap. Yeah. 7.2 got all the action. So we, we got to be like 
<laughs> but uh, the, I think it was the Porsche. I, I, I have a significant piece of a Porsche car. So. <laughs> I was surprised. Um, Those Porsches were probably the loudest. They're louder, I think, than the Formula One cars. Yeah, they were they were pretty intense. And but I was I was um, in front of the boats. Okay. So, the Marie, the so and, yeah, so I, I the the guy running security for the boats told me they were four hundred thousand dollars for the weekend. Oh, for just the tickets? For for yeah, you got uh ten tickets, but it's four hundred thousand dollars for the weekend. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like and I'm like, and I got a better seat than you do. <laughs> it's ultra VIP. Yeah, it was uh it, they were fancy for sure. So um but uh, it was it was a good time. I really enjoyed Miami. So yeah, and it's yeah. Uh, it's interesting to me to see the the logistics of Formula One and just the massive operation. I mean, you have to be an expert in logistics, in uh, building construction and tear down and transportation and uh, like yeah. how do you facilitate thousands of people to show up and do work at the facility that has, it's not a racetrack. Like you're building a racetrack from scratch in the yeah. case of uh, Formula One at the at Miami. Um, there was no track there before. They have to bring everything with them and take it all away. Like that's miles yeah. of fencing and cement block structures. Like you see the pylons that separate medians. It's yeah. like, where do you store all this stuff? Do they take it with yeah. them? Or are they going to just <laughs> leave it in containers in Florida until the next year? I don't know how that works. Maybe they ship it to Las Vegas. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm guessing they probably rent it locally. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and they did an amazing job for the inaugural event. It was, and I, as a marshal, you know, you're not always sure when you show up what's gonna happen. But you know, Miami, they were great, and you know, not that there weren't problems, but you know, they handled them and they were great. And I really enjoyed, and I'm looking forward to all the future formula races that I get to do. So, and I don't really follow formula one, but uh, you know, Max Verstappen like high-fived me. So I was like, now I'm a Max Verstappen fan. Like, so. <laughs> and yeah, it's, uh, it's just cool to be a part of all of it and see like, man, it's, uh, they're moving power lines. Like they're, they're talking with the city officials and like, how do you, what kind of permits do you need to, to like stop entire freeways? Yeah, exactly. For and what we get there Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. So and it was already set up a week before we even got there. So it's like a month you're shutting down a thoroughfare in a major city. So and we get you like know. 15, 15 Greyhound buses and and hotels to work with us to get us discounts on, on room rates and everything. It's uh yeah. pretty cool. And then we well, go to breakfast in the morning and get those oh, the, uh, the breakfast was things. <laughs> Those were fantastic, weren't they? Like, yeah. you know, I'm missing. It, and it's funny because, you know, like on Sunday, everybody's like, you know, oh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to my next croissant uh, sandwich, <laughs> whatever it is. But little known fact, like, so we eventually figured out at, at turn seven that the the staging area over at the community center is like six blocks away, you know? Yeah, pretty close. So, we're like, you know and so when they did the fan invasion we're just we just called in and we're like uh we're walking so we're not waiting for no bus so which was good because yeah. uh, it it took a, it took like, a while we, it was like we got all the best beer so 
Yeah, it took us like an hour and a half just to get back to the compound, which is like a half a mile away. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was six blocks, like, you know, and, but, and it was funny because one of the, our corner workers was Colombian and the whole weekend was Google Translate. Oh, yeah. And so, to, uh, yeah. Andres, or what was it? Angelo, Angelo Parra. Angelo! <laughs> Angelo! Yeah, I know Angelo. He is amazing, but he, he had it in his mind that we got to get on a bus. And I'm like, no, we're walking. And he's like, to the bus. And I'm like, no, we're walking. And so he, like, he thought, I, you know, he, he was like, where are you taking me? I'm like, trust us, it's fine. And so he, I don't think he trusted us till he got in that building, but he, but yeah, he's, he's a great guy. I like him. So. Yeah, I worked with him directly at, I think it was uh, last corner at Road Atlanta for Moto America a couple, yeah. months, uh, two months ago or so. Um, yeah, he, I'm, I've been working on my Spanish. I've been practicing Spanish for about, 25 years so uh, <laughs> I had it since you know elementary middle school high school I took it in college uh, I've been learning on my own and you know trying to get better at it so anytime I can practice uh, I'm all for it yeah so Angelo's a great guy I like him a lot so yeah and he's been traveling uh, the country just doing uh, corner marshalling it looks like this this summer oh yeah yeah he I uh, uh, enjoying watching his adventures. Yeah, I was looking forward that he was signed up for uh, uh, Washington, but uh, he had, he was back in Columbia, so okay. um, he didn't go, but I was like, oh, I get to see Angelo, but uh, so. And that's that's half of the, the adventure of marshalling now is, now I've got all these friends and, you know, those times where you're like, oh, do I really have the, the to go and sit on track for 14 hours for three days and, you know, and then you're like, Oh, but I will let all my friends down. So, and then you get there and it's fine. But, uh, yeah, and you it's know. a lot of work. I mean, you're up at maybe 430 for some of the events and you're not done till question mark. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think MotoGP weekend, I was, a uh, the deputy zone chief for, um, zone Bravo, which is start finish to turn one. Okay. And, um, yeah, I think our, meetings were like 4 30 in the morning and you know you have to be there. not wake up at 4 30. yeah like the the meeting starts at 4 30 so you're and then so i spent i spent two nights in the campground and then i did two nights in the hotel so i did all my my networking in the campground and then i went and did all my networking in the hotel so i was like stupidly up till midnight one o'clock in the morning and then you know back on track at you know, in that tent at 4.30 in the morning. And, but, you know, I pay for it the week after, but, you know, I'm just high on adrenaline from sure. the time I get there till the time I leave. So um, normally if, if there is camping available, I always camp. I never get a hotel if I can, I can afford not to. Um, unfortunately, yeah. the Formula One event, there's no camping on the street circuit. Yeah. So I had to get a, a, hotel, a hotel, but it was nice that it was discounted. But for the Coda event, it was it was pretty cold that that uh, weekend, and uh, yeah. I'm just coming with one backpack and flying in, and I didn't even rent a car, so I came from the the airport and I just walked from the airport to the racetrack. I you know saved oh, me wow. probably thirty bucks on a rental car or I mean uh, an Uber. Um, an Uber. Yeah. Car would have been way more than that. So although it was probably. 12 miles or, or so. It was like a half marathon of walking, but, you know, I get there at 11 in the morning on, uh, you know, whatever day before. And it's like, I got the whole day just to walk around and explore the city and uh, get some, get some food on the way there. 
Um, yeah. Well, you call me next year, I'll pick you up. So uh, there you go. Yeah, you know there what? You and so uh, when I went to Homestead, Miami, I had uh, I had actually asked uh, the guy who scheduled the whole the flagging event and get all the marshals together. It's like, hey, I'm flying in. I'm not renting a car. He's like, I'll pick you up. No problem. So sometimes that works too. And you meet people and meet friends. Uh, yeah. That happened to be Igor, actually, who was doing oh. the MotoGP stuff. So that's how I got yeah. uh, him. He picked me up for the airport yeah. and we camped near each other, you know. And so yeah. uh, it's cool to, uh, to just yeah. meet these Igor's people. Igor's a, a good guy. Yeah. So, um, so it was last weekend i don't even remember i'm not even sure what day it is right now so <laughs> but like last saturday you know dave holly posted in the group he's like you know we're desperate for workers up in washington anybody can do it and i'm like um like let, let me look at my schedule i looked at my schedule i was like i yeah i can do it so i you know booked the last minute flight which was ridiculous but fine like i'm going to do what i love and um so i'm like i'll just rent a car and you know sleep in the car and whatever get to the um rental car in seattle 453 dollars a day oh no to rent a yaris <laughs> and i'm like i could literally buy a yaris <laughs> and park it here and it would be cheaper than renting so i'm like well, it's a big city, you know, and thank God for Steve Jobs. You know, I just hit my little, uh, you know, public transit button on my maps and uh, ended up on a ferry to Bremerton on a bus to Shelton. And they lied and said Shelton had Uber. They don't. But I, I get off the bus and I'm like looking for an Uber and they're like, nope, 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 nope. And kid you not, one taxi in town pulls up and parks right in front of me. And I'm like, universe. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was like, and, and he was like, it was his last, he, he was just getting off his last, you know, fare. Cause it was like eight o'clock at night and he was done at eight and he's like, oh, that's fine. I'll take you. So I ended up uh, stopping at Walmart, getting a tent and a sleeping bag and slept on the parking lot. And, you know, and everybody's like, oh, you're great. I'm like, you know, my friends at home are worried about like, you don't have a place to sleep. You don't have to do I like, I like, I don't care. I will sleep under somebody's trailer if I have to yeah. um, be at the track. And yeah. And, you know, you get there and, and like I said, you know, it was a last minute trip, last minute, everything. I forgot half my stuff because I was flying spirit. So I had to have like everything I needed for the weekend in a bag this big. And so I got there and I'm like, well, I'll just stop at Walmart and, you know, pick up the, you know, toothpaste and shampoo and all those things. And because I didn't have a car, I'd forgotten that step in my process. Uh, <laughs> so I show up, there's no toothpaste, there's no shampoo, there's no soap, there's no deodorant. And I'm like, well, there I am. And, but everybody there, I was like, hey, does anybody have some toothpaste back tomorrow? Everybody was fine. You know, they're like, yes, here's a bag of stuff. You know, there's always one person at the thing that's got like, you know, the, you know, the, you know, sleeve full of everything. And yeah, I found that person. And, and then I found out buses don't run on Sundays from Shelton. So I'm like, well, got to find a ride back to the airport. And, and it was just part of the adventure for me, you know, so. Yeah. Sometimes it's just fun not having a, a strict itinerary and just figuring it out as you go. And uh, yeah. one example of that, I went to Barber 
to do flagging for Moto America last year. And uh, I happen to be on a flight and I get there. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do, how I'm going to get to the racetrack because it's way too far to walk from the airport to the track. And I happened to see my buddy, David Gray. And uh, we ended up, uh, he was getting a rental car with his buddy. So was, and I tagged along with them. We got dinner they, and uh, his buddy, um, they had two hotel rooms. And uh, he's like, I got, I got an extra room for you, man. If you want to just, uh, just sleep in that room, you're more than welcome to. And he was like, I always get an extra one in case this exact thing happens. And, oh, wow. And uh, so I got a free hotel room for it. And, uh, you know, driving around and, uh, I mean, I paid for my own meal and all that, but uh, drive, drive to the to the restaurant, which was awesome. And I didn't even know they were going to be on the same flight as me until we got off the plane. I was like, holy crap, you're from my hometown. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny because I, you know, I was never really a sporting person fan. And so, you know, everybody sees these, I see these team shirts. And I'm like, well, whatever. But anytime I'm traveling, I've got my, you know, I got my Red Bull on and I got, <laughs> and I, it always sparks a conversation. And so um, I, I had a MotoGP something on a couple days ago and some guy was like, oh, what do you know about MotoGP? And I'm like, how long do you have? <laughs> so, <laughs> I was in line getting on a plane, uh, I think coming from Coda and uh, Richard Stamboli was standing right in front of me. So I just sparked up a conversation. I was like, hey man, you should come on my podcast, you know, give him the whole spiel and all that. And uh, it's, it's cool, you know, you recognize these people. I'm like, I know him. Yeah. Cool. And uh, when I was at, uh, must have been Barber. I've been known to hitchhike a little bit from uh, from the track and to the track to try to get some free travel here and there. And uh, it was funny. One of the guys who picked me up coming into the track um, and saved me a couple miles of walking. The next day, I picked him up in the gravel trap. <laughs> <laughs> we recognized each other. It's like, oh, I picked you up yesterday. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Returning the favor. Returning the so. favor. I wish you didn't have to. I wish we didn't have to meet this way again. But uh, okay. yeah, I'll help you pick it, pick your bike up if you need to. And those gravel yeah. traps are awful thick. It's like, man, yeah. I'm the only intervention marshal stationed at this corner. If one goes down in this gravel trap, I'm gonna need the rider to help me push it through this because it's like a foot yeah. foot deep, and it's it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and it, it's it's funny because um, you know at Coda, you know before the track opens, you know, the marshals are all getting out there and, and it, and a lot of events, you can take your car from, to, to the turn, you know? Um, and so the marshal be on like, Hey, I need, you know, permission to cross track and, uh, race control be like, yes, but don't drive in the gravel. And somebody always ends up in the gravel, like, like, oh, I just, I was just going to like take short, like, no, like, do you not understand what that's there for? You know? And so they got to go, they got to go intervention, a car out of <laughs> the gravel. So, but uh, it's always funny. I always enjoy those pre-race antics on the radio. So. Yeah. Unless you have a four by four truck that's lifted, you're going to get stuck in that gravel. Most likely it's there to stop a race car from a hundred miles an hour before it hits that wall. That's not too far away from you. Yeah. And you know, the, and like, have you ever tried to run through one of those things? It's like, Oh yeah, it's nuts. And, or, you know, even with three people pushing a bike through that at uh, road Atlanta, I think Ben Smith's bike ended up in there and it's a hot track and they're going a hundred miles an hour past you. And there's just a, a waving cloth on a stick that's stopping them from going a little slower. 
Um, <laughs> and it's, it can be nerve wracking and it's a hundred degrees out. You're trying to push this 400 pound machine through, through the gravel trap and, and the race is still going on and you got to get it out of there, get it out of there. They're yelling at you in the, on the headset, get out, they're coming through. You got, uh, you got another pack coming through in four seconds. You know, yeah. it's like, it gets your adrenaline running. And then I got my, yeah. I got my fitness watch just on normally, not like recording any activity, but it's, it shows me, uh, you had an activity, you had a spike there. It's like, <laughs> what were you doing? You know, I was just picking up a motorcycle. <laughs> just picking up a motorcycle on a hot track. So, um, but yeah, I, like I said, the, the first time I ever attended a race was MotoGP 2017. And I was just sitting there like, this is my thing. As and a as a spectator and, you know, I knew nothing. I was just, I, a guy I was dating, you know, had lived in Europe for the last three years or so. And he was like, Hey, uh, there's a motorcycle race. You want to go to it? And I'm like, mm, sure, whatever, you know, and like, you know, engines go by and I'm like, boom. And, um, you know, did a lot of racing. And then when we broke up, I was like, I'm going to keep right. And, um, then I was like, Oh, this is going to get spendy fast. So <laughs> I need to find a new way. And so here comes marshalling. And, um, like I said, I wouldn't do it any other way. So. so talk to me about your racing experience, uh, with you on the bike or in the car. Nope. I don't know. Like I do, I do go-karts, uh, non-professionally and I lose every time, but I love it. <laughs> but those uh, carters, man, those, like those go-kart guys. Oh my God. Like, uh, yeah. Well, like I met somebody in Miami who races go-karts and he's like 14,000 RPMs, 110 miles an hour. And there's no, like, they're just sitting in a regular go-kart thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, I don't know if you can read that. Not so. So, and but yeah. So. Yeah, go karting is the fastest way to become a race car driver because it's everything that you need to be a driver with the throttle, no suspension. It's just a chassis, and you have your tires as your suspension. And there's not many parts. There's zero electronics. It's just you and the cart low to the ground. Your back is gonna hurt. You should use some foam pads back there probably. Maybe even some hip protection I found because yeah, it, it hurts. It's like a hard tub you're usually laying in. Yeah. I was in a 30 horsepower tag cart uh, just before you get the shifter. I did a cart track day with that thing last year and man, my ribs were killing me because there's this one part where the elevation kind of dips down and some oh, people wow. avoid it around. And if you, but that's the fast line. So you want to be on the fast line, but it's just, it's very jarring so, your body. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Massive respect for everybody who's out there, you know, doing whatever they're doing, but yeah, no, I don't race. And I, I don't know that I need to go that fast. Like I just like being there. So. Um. Yeah, well, there's so many different aspects of the industry that people are needed for, whether it's building the carburetors or waving the flags or picking up the bike. Um, not everybody needs to do all of it. I'm trying to do every every sport or every job in the industry to get a good idea of it. Not everyone. But, yeah. um, well, yeah. and just how much goes into having people be able to show up. Yeah. Like, you know, weeks and months and years in advance to get all of that dialed in. And just so that we can show up and do our job and, 
have a good experience and the racers can come and just race and have their thing. And so it's, you know, I just, like I said, I'm massively in love with all of the parts of it. So. And um, maybe we can talk about the finances of being a marshal. So <laughs> certain, certain organizations do pay, certain organizations right. do not, certain tracks pay, certain tracks do not. What I found is every single organization, every track, it's a different company generally. Some of them right. are owned by you know a group, uh, uh, one company, like some NASCAR's tracks are owned by one group and things like that. But generally it's all different because they're all unique companies. Um, right. I found like Mid-Ohio does not pay for any of their events. Um, and so they're always desperate for workers, uh, it's, it seems. So uh, I have worked for you know a bunch of different ones. Formula One, MotoGP, IndyCar, all do not pay uh, because right. they think it's such an honor for you to be there that you, and to get in for free would save you, like I said, for Formula One, that one instance, $900 on your ticket, which is great. You know, you get all the up, up and close, you're in the no man's land between the racetrack barrier and the crowd control barrier. So you're in VIP areas, which is pretty nice. But uh, organizations like WERA and CCS, ASRA, um, ARMA, and there, there's another one, Moto America, all do pay for certain positions. Um, mm -hmm. So there are ways that you can at least recoup your, some of your travel expenses. Um, and if you want to sign up for like air fence or set up for scaffolding for the camera crew, that's another way you can make money. Um, I've interviewed some people on here who are uh, mechanics or crew of race teams now who have just attended races as a spectator, walked around the pits and just stopped by a little longer for some of the garages and talked to the people and said, hey, do you need a hand with something? And sometimes the first season you might not get much pay or any pay. Um, sometimes you might get in the event for free because they have to pay for your credential just to get into the event, like maybe $250 yeah. for, the, for the team. So just to get in for free as a crew member is is a big step, um, and to right. get maybe a daily pay of a hundred bucks on top of that is you know nice to start out. Um, yeah. So you can you can ask around and just talk to people, see if there's any any need anything needed, whether it's just setting up canopies, putting on tire warmers, you know, helping out with stands and generators, and you know power cords. You know you can start mm -hmm. there, and then as as extra hands are needed, you can learn how to maybe. Put on a rear set it's just nuts and bolts in the end of it um you're not really doing much engine work usually internal anyways uh at a race event it's usually maybe swapping an engine or doing a clutch or something or it's usually not um incredibly technical things that most people can yeah. learn without having to take a school to do yeah well and and like you said there's always something to be done and there's always not enough people to do it and so show up like, you know, I, I always say showing up is the, you know, first part of your interview. So <laughs> it's You're like, you, know, right? you should be early. You should be, you know, ready with water and drinks and a hat and sunglasses and sunscreen and yeah. uh, the right clothing, right? You got to wear all your, your worker whites for a lot of different uh, uh, organizations. Yeah, worker whites. Yeah, well, mine are kind of like, I don't even know if you can consider this white anymore. Like, gray. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I have, yeah, I have a good, good relationship with bleach right now. So 
So but I, tried, I bought some bleach pods, but they didn't really work as I wanted to. Yeah. So yeah, I everything's kind of dingy, but uh, you know, you got your crisp whites for Sunday, so TV time. But uh, yeah, I did I did lollipops on grid for Moto America this weekend because um, I hadn't worked grid. That's like one of the few places that I haven't because all of my marshalling experience has been during COVID. And so COVID protocols are just insane some places. And, you know, um, now it's kind of loosened up a little bit so I can get back on grid. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to go through the extra, you know, hoops, you know, for all of that. Cause like, like MotoGP, you needed like three clear COVIDs and all your vaccines and all, you know, yeah. and this is like, I just want to go have some fun. So, uh, but yeah, I like to try out doing the grids and lolly being a lollipop person. Um, yeah. also it'd be, I still haven't been up really with race control, like up in the tower. That'd be really cool to, uh, yeah. see what they're doing and be in that room and hear all the different calls because they have multiple radios that they're listening to. Oh. They have, you know, maybe the EMS radio with the ambulance people, medical staff, and they have like the operations with the racetrack staff. Um, yeah. Then they have the corner marshals and all the flagging and intervention staff. And sometimes those are two separate channels. Two uh, separate channels. I don't like it when they're two separate channels because I want to hear the flaggers um, and I want to hear the intervention people. I'd rather have it no. be on the same channel uh, because if it's on two separate ones, then if you're an intervention marshal, you can't hear the course clearance. And for yeah. the first time, I'm like, they're not doing the bikes calling around. I'm like, what's happening? Why aren't they calling the last bike? You know? Yeah. And so yeah. you get to hear all the information. Have you ever been in race control, even outside of a race? No, not yet. I mean, I've walked up no. there like a couple of times and I've had to yeah. like, talk to race control as a racer here and there, um, yeah. but not like as an official. Yeah, no. So yeah, I've, I uh, got to go into race control at Coda uh, okay. probably a year and a half ago. And yeah, just rows of tables, an entire wall of TVs. I don't know if you remember, like back in the 90s, they had a, 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 a store in the north called Future Shop. Okay. And you walked in and the entire back wall was a giant TV. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm in a Future Shop, you know? Um, but just tables and like stacks of radios and people that are like, you know, <laughs> with spreadsheets and maps and you know different colored pens on what they're doing yeah and you know like seriously like you know the building could be on fire and some of these people wouldn't know it because they're just so hyper focused on what they're hyper focused on which they need to be yeah. and um but yeah it's just like ah, and yeah that's that's also goals for me is you know to to work on the inside someday but uh not not as a full-time, but like, Hey, somebody needs to come in and do this. I'll like, I'll do it for a day. But, uh, I, I like to be on the track, even, even in the rain and the, like the hot and the disgusting. And, um, and it, it's kind of funny cause people, you know, people like you don't get paid for this. And I'm like, I'd probably resent it if I got paid some of these places. Cause it's the worst job ever. You know, when you're, you know, it's, you know, 4.30 in the morning and your pants are already soaked up to the knees because, you know, um, and it's cold and it's tiring and you haven't slept and you're doing it for $8 an hour or something. You're like, you know, you appreciate the money, but it's also like, 
you know, this is the worst $8 job ever. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, For sure. It's uh, just cool to be a part of it and help out and all that stuff. And there's something else I was going to mention, but I, I uh, slipped my mind for the moment. Yeah. But yeah. And like I said, and, you know, I just, you know, I, I want everybody to be excited to be there and, you know, happy to be there and, and, you know, just make, make everybody just enjoy it as much as I do. So. Okay. So um, for people who are not feel too familiar with the flags, do you want to go over some of the flags for people? Well, um, in, in every class, mo most of the classes are pretty standard. You know, you got your yellow flag, your green flag, your red flag, your black flag, your checker flag. Everybody knows the checker flag because that's what ends the race. Uh, yellow flag, most organizations have the standing yellow, which is, you know, incident off track and a waving yellow incident on track. Some people have the double waving. Like I think, yeah, Formula One's got the double waving. Um, which is incident on track. Single waving is incident off track. Um, the red flag is we're stopping the race, uh, usually because there's something in the middle of the track that uh, we don't want people driving through, whether that's a person laying on the track in, in the case of motorcycle racing or fluids or debris or a fire. Um, seen a couple of those so it's uh you know you it's just getting everybody off the track so that you can clean it up and then black flag uh, is usually for um, red flags they don't stop on the track they come all the way back into pit lane yeah. slowly yeah come back slower although um is it nascar like i think in nascar i think a red flag is you put those brakes on right there and you stay until the, the pace car comes around and picks you up. So yeah, some, some um, organizations are different. Every one has yeah. slightly different rules. Uh, have you ever wrote, uh, have you ever uh, flagged for a NASCAR road race? Uh, yeah, that's not, that's still on the list. They are like flag flags come or flag calls come from race control. Okay. And so like they are brutal. Like unless there is a body on fire in the middle of the track they're like well i'll figure it out you know <laughs> like i got a car spun counter um and they're like he'll turn around after traffic passes i'm like okay <laughs> and also i can't remember specifically what the rules for um but blue flag and yellow so blue flag in most of the organizations is like a car has been lapped and there's a car that is um, that is in the lap ahead of you coming behind you. You need to get over so that the faster car can pass you and you're not interfering with racing. And um, but a blue flag in NASCAR means something completely different. And I can't remember what it is now. But but yeah. And like, seriously, like, you know, there are three cars, um, you know, in this corner, jammed up, can't move. You want me to wave a flag? And they're like, nah, I think we're good, you know, so. <laughs> and, but, but also something happens and they have uh, yellow, you know, under yellow for NASCAR, which means the pace car is out. So everybody's, it's a full course yellow and you're just waving it. The last NASCAR I, uh, event I did, the final race had 27 of their like last 35 laps under yellow. Oh man. 
And um, in NASCAR, the race has to be uh, yellow, white, green, which means uh, after the yellows dropped, they have to do a full lap, catch the white, do a full lap, or a green, white checker. That's what it is. So you, you do the green after you drop the yellow, the green, white, or the green flag waves. So they have to go around a full thing, catch the white flag for the final lap, and then checker. And so if something happens between the green flag and the white flag, it's yellow again. So then you have to start all over. So, you know, instead of a 35 lap race, sometimes it goes 40, 45, 50. And because they can't get those last two laps in because everybody is just like, this is my chance. And they're all bunched up again. And it's a rolling start and they're all going to court turn one. And, and I did it at Circuit of the Americas, which that turn one is, you know, and the green flag is way at the beginning of that straight start finish straight away. So they have the whole thing to get as fast as they can. And then all 50 cars going around that corner at the same time. And it jams up every single time. And so eventually they knock enough cars out. You know, <laughs> they're in the pits so that uh, uh, the rest of them can do a race. So, uh, but it's a war of attrition. And at some point, you're just going to run out of fuel. If you're doing yeah. extra laps like that, you're just going to, it's like last man standing. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what it ended up being. And then, um, so we, we had a, we had the yellow, green, white, and we were uh, calling around for checker at this last NASCAR event I went to. And, Turn 19, some guy had gotten rubbed up on, on turn one, and he just hit the back end of that car, spun it around into the gravel, and we're all like, shouldn't we be? And race control's like, we're racing, let's go, you know? And at that time, we were like, we just want this race to finish. Uh, but it was exciting. It was like turn 19, which is the, you know, penultimate corner for before finish, and it's, you know there's people in the pits, there's people counterclockwise, there's, you know, counter course and it's, um, but it was, it was good racing. So uh, a little bit of chaos sounds like a lot of chaos. And now, I mean, I think that's NASCAR loves the chaos. So, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. And, you know, it'd be like, um, there's a guy on the wall and like, that's fine, you know, and well, and you, you're familiar with Coda, you know, the, the back straight has that grass strip between the track and, the thing there was a there was a NASCAR guy full on down the grass and we're like uh and like yeah so <laughs> it's just normal for them it's just uh just how they're driving they're just it seems yeah. like they are um more bumping and, and barging through and uh you know rubbing rubbins racing than any other Rubin? series that I can think of than maybe rally other than rally yeah no it's yeah, it's no holds barred with NASCAR, and and it was fun to watch. It was um, it was a little tiring to you know 27, 27 laps of this. That's physical. You know? You're always gonna get tired. Yeah, and you know so. Um, twenty seven lap times, two and a half minute lap time. Yeah, <laughs> well, and even sometimes a little more depending on what's going on because you know they're. They're under pace, so it's not it's not under racing. Pace, speed. Maybe. So, yeah. Well, so I was I was glad to see that race finish. So I was like, <laughs> eh. but um, but like I said, you know, when you when you show up uh, at that safety meeting at six thirty, seven o'clock, five o'clock, four o'clock, whatever o'clock, 
you never know what you're going to get. And that's, that's my favorite part of it. It's like, it's a great day to be at the track. So. Yeah. And with the, with the bikes, it's like, you never know. Anybody can crash at any time. I've heard many different marshals say, you know, if there was a flag to stop people from crashing, we would fly it all the time, but there is no flag yeah. that stops riders from crashing. Unfortunately, even a yellow, yeah. a waving yellow, a double waving yellow, even a red, sometimes it happens even on a cool down lap or a warm up lap. It, it happens. People aren't yeah. on full pace, so they make mistakes. They, you know, somebody else isn't on pace, and they are, and they anticipate him. Didn't anticipate them breaking at that point. Yeah. Throws him off. Um, tires are well, temperature. Yeah, and you know, something's like it. Anything can happen. You know, it's like, uh, it's, you know, people get killed doing this, and you know, and the least spectacular crashes are the ones that do the most damage. It was like, you know, like, you know, Mark Marquez can do, you know, a triple backflip over, you know, three by, and he walks away and, you know, somebody lays a bike down and they're out cold on the, in the middle of the racing line. And yeah. it's, you just never know. And, you know, I, and I think that's part of the excitement of being a marshal, you know, like you don't have any of your own personal problems when you're out there on the track. You're like, I don't have bills to pay. Like I am, here now and you know everybody says that's where you're happiest you know psychology wise is when you're in the present moment and i don't know any place i've ever been where that is more you know applicable than on a hot track it when when you're on the track and you know coda coda is a, a great track i mean and i got spoiled there like you know i grew up i grew up in you know the bougie part of the racing world and I've now, now that I'm traveling some more and I'm standing out there and the only thing between me and a guy coming at me on a 137 miles an hour is a hay bale. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're like, Hmm, you know, and, you know, and then coordinating with the new guy on the turn in front of you, I'm like, Hey dude, um, you know, I have to look downstream and I'm the only one at this thing. If you see a car coming at me, could you be like, Hey, turn two. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. Sure. you, you got to be uh, looking, you know, the direction to travel for the bikes, uh, which might be mean you have your back to the racetrack. Um, yeah. Just kind of scary to do when they're coming, flying past you at 150 miles an hour and you're not looking at them and they could have an incident potentially hit your structure. Um, yes. Which is really nice to have at least two people so you can kind of be facing each other, looking both directions. Um and that's a really good way to make a new friend because you're usually talking to each other, looking at them the whole day, like a foot and a half apart, um, yep. changing stories and, and anecdotes and whatnot. And um, it's, it's usually, uh, that's a, a nice way to do it because then you feel like you have both sides covered. If something's yeah. coming at you, you're like, tell me to duck and we'll just drop to the ground because like that was the same thing at, uh, at Daytona. I was working turn three. You just have a big, uh, you have like a, a couple of trios of tire tire barriers right around you and that's it you just got some tires these are not uh fixed to the ground these are <laughs> these are movable tires that i mean if you hit it with a motorcycle they're not going to go that far but they're probably yeah. move a few inches or a foot or so so you better not be like up against them either um and so there's one time where you know uh, a rider looked like he was gonna lose it and he and he was heading straight straight toward us i'm like oh, oh god 
and he, and he uh, resaved it real quick, and now he hit a cone, and the cone's up flying in the air. And now this cone is like really just distracting me because I'm like, oh, what the hell is like flying in the air? You know? Yeah. So, and he regains it, gets back on the line, hits another cone. It's like, oh man, this is like chaos. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then you're like, uh, permission to uh, get on track and pull cones out. Yeah. So it's like I said, I, I just fell madly in love with it like day one and, you know, haven't, haven't not wanted to be at the track since then. So anytime I get a chance to, I'm there. And, and like, like you, we were talking about earlier, it was, you know, it's sometimes at great expense personally to even get there and show up and work for free, you know, and especially in like, you know, like formula one, Miami, you know, you get the flight, you have to get a hotel. And, um, although I am, I'm signed up for formula E in July in Brooklyn okay. and they are covering hotel. Um, so, uh, but not, not, excuse me. When is the formula E in Brooklyn? Formula E is, I believe it's the, 15th, 16th, 17th, you know, whatever that weekend area is. Um, I don't know for sure the dates, but it's that 14, 15, 16 um, window. And um, in Brooklyn, like, and I'm looking at the ferry schedule and the, um, all that other stuff. And I'm like, you know, cause apparently the ferry drops you off in pit in. Okay. So it's like, cool. So it should be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah. And then um, I think Moto America, Minnesota's after that. And then I think Pittsburgh and, I can, and, and is it Barbara? Are they going back to like, they're going to Alabama or something like uh, it's New in my brain. Alabama. Excuse me. They're doing uh, New Jersey and, and Alabama, oh, New Jersey and Alabama. So yeah. So there's a couple opportunities more for me to go watch some motorcycles this this year so and then and then take that four six month break and start all over so yeah and you know there's other opportunities i've gone down to florida uh, quite a few times for daytona you can do daytona race of champions with ccs they pay um you can do the uh, homestead miami i think igor is the contact for that one uh they pay um and uh there's a couple other ones. Oh, I did the St. Petersburg IndyCar race uh, this year for IndyCar. And uh, there's that's a street circuit also, but I didn't get a hotel for that one. I just brought my tent down and found, found a park. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, like, there's homeless people. Like, they're not getting arrested every night for sleeping. Like, I'm just going to mm -hmm. find a secluded place that's not near the road and and just put up my tent. And it, was, it worked out fine. Now one of the one of the days I went into a park and a, a ranger found me, and uh, he yelled at me to get out of here and I was trespassing and all this stuff. It's not a hotel, and uh, so I, I booked it out of there. I, I got found. I was too close to the road surface. They were just yeah. uh, he was like blowing leaves off of the park um, parking lot or something like that. Yeah, and he didn't notice. Yeah, me now, I was putting the tent away. Yeah. As, as a marshal, do you have a preference as, I mean, of course everybody wants to be paid, but like, do you see a difference in the pay versus the not pay? Or is it just, you know, how, how is that experience for you? So for me, I love the sport. Um, I'm a racer at heart. My goal is to be the racer and not be the marshal. 
Um, however, I found marshalling as a way to be at the racetrack and see my friends and meet new people and network. And that's how we're talking on this podcast. So it helps me for content with the podcast. Um, I want to make money at every event that I go to. Um, I'm not in a position right now to be able to just fly around and do all these events unpaid, unfortunately. Right. So right, right now in, in, the, in my position, um, I was invited to do the next event for Formula One at CODA. I can't do it. I'm not going to yeah. do a single more event that I'm not going to get paid for. Um, I'm only going to do the events that, that pay um, yeah. because I just... I'm working a whole bunch of side jobs right now, whether it's the podcast, I do uh, online sales, um, racing on my own. I do like the track marshal stuff and uh, riding coaching. And I'm trying to get into doing moto tours and uh, racetrack coaching. So I'm trying to do a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, so to make as much money as possible to allow me to get back into racing. Um, right. So this is kind of like a, in the meantime, I think job that I will probably still do for a while because I do like helping out and being at the track and seeing the other side of it. Um, yeah. but I'd much rather be the nut behind the bike than, uh, right. than watching up from the sidelines. Right. Nice. Yeah. So my goal is to, uh, to race Moto America for at least a decade. Um, so if there's any opportunities out there, please reach out or any endurance rider rides, uh, for N2, Wera, um, you know, I'm just looking to be on a motorcycle, a sport bike, a 600cc class or 750 or even 1000, I'd be fine with. Um, I was considering the SV650 class because, you know, it's, it's kind of like the 600 class, but a little bit slower, uh, probably a little bit cheaper as far as you're not going through tires as much. Um, it's a little slower pace. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just love riding and being out there and and uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, well, that's good. That's like goals, you know, that's me too. I just, I, like I've stated for a very long time, I just want to chase motorcycles. And so, um, and that's what I'm working towards. So. For sure. So I got my pro license seven years ago to race in Moto America. I just kind of ran out of money to do it. I had a bad crash that year and uh, oh. um, just the finances of, you know, crashing a motorcycle that I just bought was, uh, took a lot out for the event costs to do it. But, yeah. Yeah. That's my goal is to get back into, uh, racing and riding with Wera CCS. Um, Moto America would be great. Um, I also have a passion for carts and cars, but those are way more expensive. So I just think my, my, uh, feasibility is way better for the, the motorcycles because you can buy a, a $10,000 bike that's as fast or faster than a Ferrari. Um, yeah a lot less cost yeah so well, that's good heck yeah so where can people find you online um i am becoming awesomer everywhere so um instagram becoming awesomer is a great place to find me so all right um very good anything else uh, on your mind you wanted to talk about uh no i'm just i'm just happy to have new racing friends all the time so and what's yeah, the if next event uh, you got uh, on your schedule? Uh, excuse me? What's the next uh, event you got on your schedule? Next event I have on the schedule is uh, Brooklyn Formula E. And, uh, and then after that, you know, I'm signed up for Formula One at CODA. And, um, you know, 
next season, as soon as they start releasing things, I'm I'm there. Uh, but you know, I'm in Texas, so I've, I'm trying to stay out of the Texas Marshall stands right now. It's 105 down here. So anything north and then September, October, I'll go back to, to Coda. And, but also professionally, I'll be at the track this weekend, you know, some dirt track in the middle of Texas somewhere and I'll be fine. So. And uh, what, uh, what are the dirt tracks that you've uh, hit recently or that are on the schedule? Um, nothing anybody would recognize. Uh, <laughs> like 105, you know, out here near me. And, uh, um, but there's a, there's a drag strip in uh, Baytown, Texas, that I don't know, remember what it's called, but uh, no, I'll be there a lot. So. Oh, is it typical quarter miles or eighth miles? Yeah. Um, it's a quarter mile. So quarter. yeah. And oh. it's, 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 it's fun. I'd never, I never had, uh, you know, thought I'd, be standing next to a drag strip but you know uh usually ear pro is very you know ear protection is very important don't go to a dirt or don't do a don't go to a drag strip <laughs> without the <laughs> without the ear any motorsports event without ear no <laughs> no but uh it, it's very very relevant at a drag strip so yeah well, like you, i wanted to ask somebody who's involved in drag strip racing um do they have marshals at the drag strip i would assume it's way less if they have uh, way less um there is uh, they have like um you know technical people like on track to kind of like you know view things but it's lights so most of it's light board controlled um and you know they're going 300 miles an hour like they don't want people anywhere near that end of the thing. So it's usually the pit crews come up, you know, cause they do the, they do the roll off and then they roll back so they can kind of see how many, much of their tire they left behind. Uh, and um, so then they roll back to the start and it's uh, it's lights. So. Um, yeah. And I've seen uh, people, well, I know you're saying for it's mostly dirt track, but for the, the pavement stuff, I've seen it be so sticky that their shoes stick to the pavement. And yeah. uh, if you watch the slow-mos, it's wild. I'm not sure if the dirt tracks are the same way, but the tires like fold and compress. And then once they finally have fully compressed, then they kind of spring out again. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. And, you know, one of, one of the carbs that I built, you know, earlier in the year, um, we were watching the race and, um, somebody's tire came off and went over the spectator fence Oh no! and I was just like, ah, you know, so it's a, it's a dangerous sport. You got to have your head on swivel and uh, be paying attention. So yeah, anytime you're going hundreds of miles an hour, things can go wrong in an instant. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, it's you're, you're in the moment from, you know, 7am at that first, you know, course check to, seven at night when, you know, we clear it for the last time. And, and uh, yeah, talking about ear protection, I would say that at the, I think the first day, maybe practice of Formula One, I just had earplugs. I didn't have the radio. I was not the radio person in my corner. Um, so I just had the earplugs and it was, it's not enough. It's like, I think maybe enough. 30 decibels reduced. And these, yeah. I don't know what the decibel coming out of the Porsches were, but it's, over a hundred, it it's more than a jackhammer. You know, it's like the loudest thing you've ever yeah. heard. It shakes your teeth. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and 
and that's my, you know, I, I keep saying I'm going to get the customs and I just never have, but like, I've had, yeah, them before. It, they were great. I think I did, uh, oh man, something ear. I can't, it's like a, a yellow, a yellow, uh, cap. Uh, I remember and big ear maybe was the company, yeah. but, uh, I think they were great. I, my, I think my cat eventually ate it. Uh, <laughs> Don't leave cats. anything like that out because they love rubber, anything they can chew on like that. I think it's a toy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah, great. that's my, I think that's my birthday present to myself this year is to get some, uh, some custom molds done for those ear pro because um, it's very important. So. But even with earplugs, I don't know if how much better if they'd be more 40 or 50 decibel re reduction for those in uh, custom made earplugs, but I would still want to have, uh, a headset on top and uh my buddy has um these these uh, headset for shooting for going to the gun range and mm -hmm. it, it has uh, a feature where it'll you know reduce all the loud bang noises but it will ha it has a microphone to amplify whispers so you can yeah. still you don't have to take it off to to talk to somebody you can still hear everything uh which yeah. i thought was really cool and you can get them online for like 30 40 dollars maybe um, yeah for a cheaper set anyways, up to $100 or more. You can get a Bluetooth, but you can put music in, in it and all that stuff. Um, it'd be cool to have that uh, on hand because sometimes you don't get a headset. Yeah. Well, and uh, I think MotoGP last year, I, I just put my AirPods in on, you know, noise reduction, which beautiful, but also not clearly, not nearly enough. So um, I've got my I've got my little, you know, baby earmuff things that, you know, you see all the little kids running around with at the track. So I got those and I got the the little rubber plugs for the ears, but it's, uh, yeah, it's time to upgrade. So. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of scary that, you know, all hearing damage is permanent. You can't get it back. Uh, it just gets worse over time. Now, I don't know if that'll stay that way as technology improves. I hope they can uh, get better at, at that medical advance, but uh, I've, I've joked it's not really a joke. I should get better at sign language. I should learn yeah. sign language, period. Yeah, I don't yeah. really know much of it at all. Um, uh, because it could really help out in later life when, uh, if or when your hearing goes. I'm, at, I'm trying to be at the race track yeah. every weekend and riding my motorcycle yeah. all the time. And like I said, my exhaust is not loud. But just today on, on the way to yoga class, to and from, I'm wearing earplugs. Because just the wind noise of going 82 miles an hour is louder than my exhaust and just the wind noise alone yeah. will hurt your ears. I can't imagine people have no helmet on. That's ridiculous to me. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> so, all righty. Well, it's, it has been a pleasure being on your podcast. Thank, thank you for having it. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll get this edited and posted fairly quickly. I don't have any waiting in, in the queue for me. So um, <laughs> as soon as it's done rendering, I'll get it posted and send you the link and all that. All righty. Thank you. Well, I'll promote the heck out of it. So. Yeah, share it to your network, share away, and um, we can get as many eyeballs on it as possible. One of the reasons I started doing this was to help promote ericswanracing.com and shopesr.com. I'm an authorized dealer of 35 motorsport brands now from M4 Performance Exhaust to Akrapovic, Slovenian Exhaust, or Akrapovic, as Americans like to say it, um, to Revit Leathers and Gear. Um, I, have, I have gear parts. Um, I do have some takeoff tires for the moment, uh, but those will be going away. 
So I'm just trying to get my name out there and sell as many products as possible, network with interesting people and create some original content. So I appreciate you for coming on and uh, have a great day. All right. Well, thank you. You have a good one. I'll see you at the racetrack. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.